0: Tony is an iconic moderator of the Shaman Australis Forum, a long-standing and well-respected figure in the Australian psychedelic community, and a San Pedro enthusiast. Tony is humble, experienced, and an incredibly kind and friendly person. We met at his beautiful property in what was a rural area, but is quickly being overrun by developers. Tony's place is a bush oasis that homes thousands of unique San Pedro. Tony's been part of Australian psychedelic culture for over 30 years. We reflect on changes in psychedelic community in recent times, as psychedelic awareness and popularity spreads. Consumers are hungry for facilitators to serve them psychedelic McDonald's, but Tony dreams of a future where independent psychonauts grow their own plants and do their own thing. In this episode, we talk about curious experience reports, including goats enjoying mescaline unpredictable effects of Amanita muscaria mushrooms, and microdosing San Pedro flower tinctures, as well as microdosing tinctures made from coloured flowered, seemingly non-mescaline-containing trichocereus grandiflorus hybrids. We suggest that strange and weird things are more likely to occur with psilocybin and other tryptamines, rather than with phenethylamine psychedelics, but Tony says he didn't eat the mushrooms until after his Bigfoot sighting. We also chat about psychoactive combinations and the benefit of MDMA co-administration alongside psychedelics. That being said, there are real health risks when combining MDMA with ayahuasca, Chang'a or SSRI medications, so be cautious. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Hello, Tony, thank you. It's lovely to be in your garden.
1: Yeah, no worries, it's nice to have you here.
0: Um, I'm surrounded by a whole collection of um, very nice San Pedro, a lot of them in the ground and looking pretty mature. Can you tell me what began, um, what looks like an obsession of sorts?
1: Ah, well, um, what began it, I suppose, was the SAB Forum. I learned about cactus on there in the very early days and nobody even really knew what what sort of good San Pedro's were. And yeah, so we just bought a few different ones and mostly old PC. And
0: Where did you buy them from?
1: Uh, from other people most of the time. So like on, on the forum? On the forum, was yeah. there was a big thing of trading in them days. And yeah, so, but again, people didn't even really know what they were eating. Um, yeah, it went through a few. And, and how many years ago is this? Mm, probably early 2000s, 2003, three, four, something like that was when it started.
0: And it's mostly uh,
1: clones that are going around, right? People aren't growing stuff from seed? Yeah, in them days it was both. So there was a lot of people growing from seed. It's just the same mix as now, really. So there was a lot of shit from seed, and from seed where we didn't even really know whether they are going to be any good or not. And most of it wasn't. So there was millions of cosmos grown in them days that were no good, and yeah heaps of stuff like that uh, and so, how did you choose which ones came back here then? Just practice so basically yeah bought a lot and weeded out the good ones from the bad ones
0: but I feel your collection i uh, i I feel like there's a subtext there of potent plants being a preference, but yeah. you also have a lot of nice colored flowers and other stuff, yeah. So what, what um, was, like,
1: guiding your your collection? Mm, it was mostly plants, working plants, so good, strong, potent plants, but I've learned as well that sometimes the strong ones are a little bit dark and maybe not as fun as, as some of the other ones, so it's good to have a mix. I think eventually we're going to get so good at brewing them that um, people will decide that a mix of different plants is be- is far superior to just one plant as well so take a little bit of well there's, there's a lot of alkaloids in it in in different plants and we don't really know what most of them do I believe that that's what makes some plants a little bit darker and a little bit more um powerful than others so bridge with harmoline in it maybe and stuff like that you know I think maybe the pack noise, that's why they don't feel as dark because they don't have as much harmaline in them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. generally the mescaline content of the two is pretty comparable. So there is some difference there that we don't really understand yet, I think. I think that's probably what it is. Yeah,
0: yeah totally, I am really excited for when more testing actually happens. Yeah. Uh, but in your personal experience then, uh, would, if you know you were preparing something for yourself, would you that would you prefer to do a mix? Like how 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 do you make that
1: choice of? Uh... Uh, generally, these days it's just whatever's fallen down. Yeah, cool, cool. There's that many plants. So yeah, just whatever's. As you can see there, look, there's a big six foot of something laying down. So that will. There's no point letting it go to waste.
0: Sure, sure. And and do you? So that that kind of I feel like that suggests. You feel that they're pretty interchangeable? Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah. do you do you have any plants that you you know you think is for a certain context or it's it's normally all, all the one and the same?
1: Yeah. So if if, if these maybe a few of us and we want a bit of a happier experience then I'll definitely choose a few of the, the pacanois So especially if these people aren't that experienced, they kinda of want something a bit more happier and lighter and a bit more friendly. Um but yeah, if there's a few other uh, others or just me on my own, I'll probably choose one of the bridges. One of the some of the bridges that we've grown from seed are that strong that you really wouldn't want anything else. So these literally, I and, know and, uh, the internet says your standard dose is a foot, but there's some of these bridges where literally six or eight inches is a pretty good go on them, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, that is a, perhaps a good um, path into a topic we've touched on before uh, and it's about preparing and dehydrating the outer green layer of flesh as a way of kind of crudely and simply preparing a concentrated product without having to go to all the effort of making a tea, which, you know, takes some time. Uh, what tell Tell me more about that
1: all right so there's basically two ways that i think are the best ways to do it one is skinning peeling the outer layer dehydrating and powdering um that there is a lot of work in my experience um generally if it's yeah what i would generally do is just basically slice them up boil it cook it down and that's it's done that's that's my preferred preferred take these days so um, I don't despine them, I don't pressure cook them, I don't do any of that crazy stuff you see on the internet. I just basically slice it like a zucchini, put it in a pot, cover it with just a little bit of water and, and cook it um, 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, something like that. You can actually see when it's come out into solution, filter it off and that's it. Boil it down and it's ready to go.
0: And so you wouldn't use this outer layer method?
1: Oh, yeah, I have done. Yeah. I have done.
0: So where, uh, but it's, it's, tell me, it sounds like it wasn't as rewarding I as... Oh no, it's,
1: it's, it's a really good technique, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's just so much work.
0: Oh, okay, so yeah. it is more more, more time-consuming overall?
1: Yeah, I think just de and drying and, yeah. I, I think the way that I've sort of learned now to, to cook them is not overcook them. So literally just cook it literally like a zucchini it's not falling apart it's easy to filter um like again in the early days we didn't really know what we were doing so you'd cook it three times until it's just mush and then you'd spend the next two days just filtering it to try and cook it down and it just makes it so so much hard work
0: and so what kind of time period
1: Mm, 30 minutes 40 minutes wow only yeah and and then uh so literally you can do it on a campfire yeah you can take cactus with you and do it over a campfire and and yeah easy as that
0: and do you find that uh affects any kind of qualitative dimensions of the experience even not related to the psychoactive uh component like i'm just wondering maybe because of the quickness of the wash you're just extracting yeah. less things so you're not getting the
1: cellulose so i think you get way less sickness out of it yeah right yeah mm, very so interesting I think the more you cook it the pressure cooking and blending and freezing that people like to do. I think mm-hmm. all you're extracting mostly is, is cellulose that just makes you feel sick. Very it? interesting. Yeah.
0: 30 minute boil, like hot? Or it sounds, yeah, like, it sounds like on a, it's a campfire. Hot, yeah. 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 Very interesting. Well, I always think the, the lazy method is the most interesting method. Yeah. I, 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 it's just a nice uh, thing to imagine things that can literally occur in the field with the plants. Um, Really cool. Really mm-hmm. cool. Um, back to the you know the plants that make up your garden, and and particularly uh, the plants that are, are seed grown. Maybe you've grown them from seed, or maybe a friend has grown them from seed, and now you have the mother plant. But what are could you, or and maybe maybe you don't know them all, but I'd just be interested. What are some of the mother plants that are here in your garden that maybe I've I've seen in circulation?
1: I've got quite a lot that are actually from wild seed. So uh, again, it, early on in the day, I kind of thought that was the way to go. So there's a lot of stuff that is just open pollinated from the wild. But there's a few plants that look so that's a, a J3 cross J2. Yep, that was grown back years and years ago. Um, so you would have had them plants probably. Yeah. So they're they're famous plants from Cactus Country, I think. Um, then we've got SSO two cross SSO one, which again there was heaps of seed going around back in the in the day. Um, we've got an SSO two cross um, bridge, so in them days there wasn't really that many Aussie people growing them, so a lot of the seed was imported from America or somewhere else and stuff like that. So, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a, quite a few plants that are. They're from, from, so they're all um, Lumberjack crosses, um, so, yeah. I, to be honest, I think people get too much concerned with the genetics of these things and stuff like that. They're either good plants or they're not, and these are, the whole Pokemon collecting idea, I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest. I. I would much rather not name a plant ever again in my whole life and just have a star rating and that's it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I respect that. But yeah. as a uh, Pokemon collector, I actually also yeah. desperately want to catalogue your collection yeah. and be a little pest, so <laughs> sorry about that.
1: Yeah, no worries. <laughs>
0: um, and thinking, like I can see some of these very interesting acacias over here that you mentioned earlier, not sure uh, what what they are, um, but just... Uh, Thinking of plants more broadly and magic plants more more broadly, what's what what is their place in your life? And and I and like I'm just wondering how does cactus fit into it as you know one amongst a number of plants? Mm.
1: Well, cactus really wasn't my first ally. So fungus was, and um, so yeah, things change as you go along. And um, out here where I live, there's no town water, so I only got tank wire, so. Originally had a big veggie garden and, and grew quite a lot of different magic plants and stuff like that but some summers get really tough and y- it's really hard when you've Put a lot of love into plants to decide which ones live and which die and yeah exactly Some some years it's to the point where you're trying to keep some alive And even the ones you're trying to keep alive can't so that just led itself to cactus and um, Yeah, they're a pretty fun thing to grow in your garden so that's why I ended up with uh, millions of cactus
0: yeah I I live in also live in this outer western Sydney area and I had a similar journey it's it always makes sense to grow what thrives
1: in your environment totally yeah
0: and in terms of your journey with psychoactive plants and to discovering discovering them what
1: how did how did that take place I don't really remember how I fell across plants, to be honest. I think I, I, I think I stumbled across a book that had um, Hawaiian baby woodroses, or it could have been um, what's the other one? I can't remember now.
0: The other LSA? Yeah, the no, no, uh, LSA plant. The ipomoea tricolor. Yep. There
1: yeah. You go. Yeah. Yeah. So. I uh, stumbled across a book that had that in there. And um, being a young bloke in north of, north of England, it kind of was a bit depressing and stuff. So I'd already found that LSD then and discovered that it actually made things a little bit nicer <laughs> to be alive, you know? It was kind of a bit of a rain, rainbow sunshine in a gray world, really. That's really what it was. And when I stumbled across the plant, um, plant medicine I kind of you know searched around it was in the early days of the internet then you know it was only sort of teenage internet uh, before there was even search engines and stuff so yeah I I searched around a little bit and experimented with a little bit of LSA and um, yeah it's kind of gone from there then I found the, the Shaman Australis forum that would have been when you were still in England no, no, that was when I was here. yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So I was here then, and um, yeah, so I found that. And in the early days, that was it was a crazy place to be. Like there was so much knowledge in there that it was literally every post was was some crazy chemistry of some some plant that I'd never heard of before. And if even now, if you go back and read things from from back in them days, there's there some crazy chemistry going on that. There was some real geniuses, so I kind of just read the forum for a few years and and didn't even participate and yeah, it's just gone gone on from there. I've grown a few different plants and just sort of settled where we are now
0: well what were your experiences with uh morning glories
1: like actually pretty good yeah yeah so i uh, yeah, they're pretty good actually if you if you wash the lipids off them and they they're not crazily exciting but they're not torture <laughs> which something some psychedelics literally can be torture physically yeah
0: yeah i actually had a great experience um i haven't played around with them a whole lot but i think i did like an acid base and then you know started low and ended up being surprised in how much i needed and I don't know if this was the reason that it happened, but I read some post online and it might've just been some like 69-run shit. So it could have just been ridiculous. But when I put this lime essential oil on my tongue, it was like a countdown from five and it was just like, whoa, crazy colors. And I actually thought the the experience was, was enjoyable. Like, I mean, I'm not a very stimulant inclined. Uh, and so it was kind of sedating And i just was in this state all night and i don't know if it was a dream or not but
1: it was cool yeah yeah they can really be beautiful Mm. i i'd got them dialed in there for quite a while um one of the foreign people up north actually sent me a big bag of hawaiian baby woodrows so i could experiment with them for a while and and yeah really got them dialed in pretty good
0: it's a bit of a tangent, but now we're just speaking about random plant things and extractions. It just made me remember this very interesting stuff around San Pedro flower tinctures. What is going on with that? What do you <laughs> tell me more?
1: Well, um, it was during the lockdowns. Um, one of my friends was doing a, a degree in herbalism, and she, and she wanted to make some flower tinctures. And we had a group chat going, and she was telling us how we were do how she was doing it so I actually had a heap of San Pedro flowers went out and picked a few and and just tried that Uh, I didn't actually think they would really do anything because it kind of um from a chemistry point of view it's probably not even going to be enough um actives in there to really do anything but in the morning the tincture well the, the water and alcohol that I'd used was actually bright pink which kind of blew me away a little bit so uh, again I thought it would probably do nothing I tried a little bit and it, it seemed to do nothing for me uh, gave a heap away to a heap of the young people around us that that kind of been playing with these things and they all came back like a month later and said this stuff's awesome it's the best micro dust we've ever had um, have you got any more So I made some more with some different colored, uh, so I grow different um, colored flowers and stuff like that. And um, I made uh, like a heap of different batches of different plants just to see how it went. And they all kind of had their own character. And yeah, they actually do work for microdosing beautifully better than anything else I've ever tried.
0: Have you tried to have a full dose on it?
1: Uh, Yeah, and it doesn't do anything. Weird. It is weird, yeah and again so they're from plants that don't even contain any mescaline so they're the best ones so like the the flowering grandy hybrids and stuff like that they are literally they're the best flower tinctures which again i suppose because prohibition has made these things not really studied very much there's probably a lot of things in these plants that are not mescaline which do do things and Maybe there's a concentration in the, especially the red and the pink flowers, it seems to be. So the more at that end of the spectrum, um, the better they actually work.
0: So these are like grandi flora hybrids?
1: Most of them, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm. Uh, One thing that's really interesting about it, so when you try microdosing with either psilocybin or LSD or something like that, it tends to work for... A few days but then your receptors start getting banned out and they kind of don't really work as well I don't think. Um, that's if you're doing my, it every day? Yeah mm-hmm. where the flower tinctures you can literally have them every day and it doesn't make any difference which is a bit bizarre as well like okay. it seems to be no tolerance to it at all.
0: And you find the effects are comparable to if you're doing just a
1: microdose of cactus? Yeah, yeah. oh no I've never really microdosed cactus itself um, like I've tried, I would compare it to a microdose of LSD. Oh, sure. ah, okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm, cool.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, well, I've ov- you've obviously poked
0: my interest, in and yeah. I must, I must, um, be completely legal and mm. not try such a thing. Mm. Um, well, maybe well, it, I is mean, legal. Yeah, we it, it is Yeah, it, it could be. It could be, yeah. Gosh. It's a confusing world.
1: It really is,
0: yeah. Uh, so another kind of interesting thing about your perspective because you've been kind of part of sab in the heyday when it was pumping and um and we're helping out with the moderation there and since you know it's pretty much you know dead now uh but uh you're also moderating the sab facebook page which Uh, I I will say is pumping but I don't know uh, if I mean the same thing as when I say that about the SAB um, forums I think it's kind of a lot uh, it's not the same high level of discussion by any means yeah Um. so I what do you feel about this shift in the online discussion around you know antigens in Australia like what does this mean what's happening
1: I think it's more because we're generally getting more of the general population here so in the old days it was a very small group of people that even knew about these things that alone talked about them and they were pretty much all geniuses and so all chemistry whizzes and stuff like that and now it's just your everyday person that's interested in microdosing and interested in making their life better and have read all the you know stories about and microdosing and microdosing and how it can it can change your life and it really can change your life and i think i think that's generally the shift that's happened so we're just instead of looking at a small group of plant nerds and geniuses we're looking at everybody from 50 year old moms that have you know kids have moved out that have had shitty lives their whole lives and want to change it and to businessmen that really want to focus for meetings every day and it's 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 totally new ground compared to what it was in them days i think that's that's the change more than anything
0: and and what do you feel what do you feel about that change
1: as someone that's experienced i think, experienced it's, I think it all? it's good yeah. i think psychedelics really can change the world i think they can make 99 percent of the population correct use of psychedelics will make people's lives better and I think life's pretty tough in a modern world, it's probably something that people should be allowed to do as well
0: yeah, cool, cool, nice nice. I I think
1: um, just playing it, the,
0: the devil's advocate uh, one of I, I don't know if it's so much my fear, I, I think it is a bit but it's also something I, I, I just see people talking about and and just a complicated dimension of it is, you know, this psychedelic exceptionalism thing where uh, people are seeing psychedelics and the need for new regulation around regulation around psychedelics is somehow, uh, you know, more important or valid than, you know, new regulations around all other types of, of drugs. Um, I don't. Yeah. But but then, then uh, like I, I feel conflicted about it. Maybe it's a, also a convenient gateway. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. I'm not really sure yet either. Hmm. I think we're just going to have to let these things play out. Yeah. Yeah. We see don't see have a choice. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing is with going forward, there's going to be so many people that are just brand new to these things and using any psychedelic, like takes a little bit of skill and practice and yeah, I've got 30 years doing it. You've probably got close to that as well. I think our knowledge is something that's going to be vital for these people that are, breaking new ground for themselves in the future i think it's it's not an easy skill sometimes and rather than spending 10 or 20 years getting good at it so you don't mentally make yourself worse is probably yeah it's something we're going to have to help people with i think
0: yeah yeah i agree i agree i uh, i'm really interested to see how this concept of psychedelic harm reduction harm reduction kind of comes out of it and evolves because uh, you know, it's 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 privileged and unfair to some other drug, sure, that psychedelics get this extra attention. But the the thing is, it will mean there's a lot of cool additional resources and things we can learn about yeah. how you can provide specialist care. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I really am curious, like around nuances, around trip sitting, like how do you do different practice for different people, different yeah. settings, different psychedelics, things like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think... And as well, it's not just pure psychedelics. I mean, you know, MDMA isn't really a psychedelic. It's, you know, amphetamine more than anything. And it's going to be legal in June. Uh, And that's probably, to be honest, I think that's less of a worry than a pure psychedelic like the mushrooms that's going to be legal. Um, MDMA, really, the rave scene in Sydney doesn't really exist as much as what it used to, but if you actually went raving back in the day and saw how much MDMA's got consumed irresponsibly and every weekend and there's very very little problems with it and these hugs and love and that's all that's the only side effects of it really. That's the biggest side effects of any any of the, the rave scene and you can't get a much bigger test than that. It went for thirty years with millions of doses being consumed with alcohol and with different combinations and all kinds of stuff.
0: I do wonder if there's a slightly because there's more SSRIs than ever I guess so yeah. there's maybe that is slightly more of an elevated risk but yeah, yeah I, I, I agree in contrast to common risks that people encounter every day uh, it's it's pretty pretty small-scale yeah. stuff yeah. Um, yeah and I think you were you were you mentioned to me earlier about uh, combinations with MDMA with psychedelics. Tell yeah. me tell me some more your, your advocacy for this.
1: Well, um, again, it's just practice over the years. I've found that really a little bit of MDMA um, before you actually take a psychedelic will already get so it's already just starting to roll as the psychedelic kicks in. It's it's literally makes everything happy, everything pleasant. It's really hard to get into a bad mindset when. You've got a little bit of a bit, a bit of a roll going, as the Americans would say. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, I think a combination of um, uh, MDMA and LSD together, if timed right, is is probably that's going to be a good introduction for uh, for anybody. I think.
0: There any more? Uh combinations that are of particular interest to you that you think uh you know n- nice little cocktails
1: yeah well yeah mdma and mushrooms are pretty good as well and uh definitely lsd and nitrous oxide oh together, yeah that's, oh, that's yeah. a big combination for me and uh, cactus and nitrous oxide as well that's another good one Yeah, yeah 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 some of the things can really be greater than the sum of their parts that's for sure yeah totally totally I don't know whether maybe LSD and nitrous oxide or LSD and um, maybe other, other free on gas or something like that maybe I'm not sure whether they're going to be very medicinal <laughs> but definitely MDMA and and LSD together it kind of baffles me why they've legalised mushrooms over something like that to be honest I think Over something like MDMA? Over MDMA or LSD Ah, yeah, sure sure, Together, especially Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's something about what mushrooms represent as a, you know, something that's traditional and environmental and, like, a little bit alien Like, I think that is part of the appeal It's almost like, um, you know, very disturbingly colonial you know we're trying to take over the other and we're enticed by the other and and the mushrooms and psychedelics that is what the other is it's it's such a strong symbol of like oh I need some of whatever I'm not because I'm fucked
1: yeah I I think it's a good example as well that you know the new world is coming around to these things but maybe experienced trippers might be saying mushrooms are a little bit unpredictable are you sure you want to give that a go
0: yeah, I, I feel that there is a trend in uh, people's experiences of, like, if someone's had, like, a, you know, a, an encounter with an entity, like, obviously, yeah. the classic one is DMT elves, um, but I, I think tryptamines in general, and it's not just entities, it's, like, you know, things that aren't there, seeing, thinking that there is a, is a being, that, or like a UFO or whatever, but just more, more far-out stuff. Seems to happen with tryptamines, yeah. Uh, which is like fun and entertaining, um, but but personally, I think it's kind of it's hard to integrate. Like, how yeah. do you bring that back to yeah.
1: society? I th- and I think that's another thing. Like, uh, people talk so much about integration right now, right now, and not everything makes sense. Mm. Not everything will make sense. Like, like you're saying, you know, being surrounded by insect people. There's, there's nothing to integrate about that. It's just crazy. like, <laughs> And that's what mushrooms are going to do, really, I think. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out. I, I mean, I'm kind of interested to see what happens in the future, really.
0: Well, I think it will be interesting. That, yeah. that, that you can guarantee, if nothing else. Yeah. And in, in terms of your... Because we talked about how... SAB on Facebook and in the forums is different yeah. but how is it different as a as a moderator as someone that is like both trying to protect the members and protect the platform from not anyone doing anything incriminating and everyone getting on and being you know amicable what's
1: how has that changed on the different platforms yeah oh yeah definitely like um, there were some big characters back in the original days and um, there was some really unstable people and uh, back in the old days people would actually make new accounts just to troll other people and create arguments and uh, it was it was hard work
0: or just because a multi-millionaire tried to sue them
1: yeah well it could be that as well yeah maybe Maybe. (laughs) yeah so there was a lot of crazy stuff in the old days it's again it's it's more of a a simple Moderating task these days. It's more people posting things that they shouldn't, like you say, incriminating themselves or um, sourcing material, it, and that's really something that really breaks my heart because there's so many people that that have jumped through all the hopes that medicine has to offer to make their lives better. Like I say, life life's not easy. And if someone's been on SSRIs for 20 years and stuff like that, and they see stories about mushrooms, you know, microdosing and turning people's lives around, and they potentially can. Like, it's not gonna work for everyone, but potentially they can. And they kind of have no idea where to start with these things. So they'll find somewhere online and and try and source these kind of things. And it, it breaks my heart that people are to that stage and I, and we can't just say this is what you need to do it's you know it's it's kind of that's the worst part for me really there's yeah. a lot of good like we've built a lot of community and there's, I've built a lot of friends and a whole lifestyle around this kind of scene but there's, there is really sad things when people really need help and I can't help them yeah
0: I I think uh, an impressive thing about you is your just tolerance and openness to new people that are interested in this space. I, you know, I I have compassion for those people, but also I just don't have the same emotional capacity to just meet all these people and try to guide them. Uh, And, you know, I guess, at least it seems to me that the main change for you is now just the sheer number of people that, you might encounter like this yeah. that you're kind of trying to point in the right direction. So, like, how how has that role changed for you, and kind of what does that role involve now? Like, how many people just kind of end up in some kind of kind of communication with you, and what? How do you deal with them?
1: A lot, yeah. And it's it's kind of hard because you can't really I can't really incriminate myself either. Uh, it's uh, I'll talk about things that's right on the edge, maybe. Mm. But I can't do illegal things just because I am kind of known in the scene. So I, I kind of have to watch out for them kind of things. But yeah, it's gone from maybe ten years ago. There'd be one or two people a year that were noobs and really need help pointing in the right direction to do whatever they want to do. But literally these days, it's it's four or five people a week, and it it, do, it is hard to give people enough attention and still be a you know regular person with a job and uh, you know life outside of that kind Mm -hmm. of thing and but yeah I I think if you teach people properly and they can go away and teach their friends as well and you know that's a good thing
0: so I I guess one one character the you know kind of archetype that I encounter in these kind of scenarios, you know, a new person that wants in on the scene and wants to have experiences and all that. But you know, a common trope is people that want to find ceremonies or they want to find a facilitator. And so, imagine that you've encountered someone like that, and you you don't you know you don't have long to engage with them. What's you've got a brief a brief chat. What what do you want to get across? What um, do you want them to go away from you? I would say ceremonies and
1: facilitators aren't really part of the scene that's going to be really controversial for me to say that (laughs) but um, the scene is people growing their own plants, doing their own thing making their own sustainable lifestyle, because that's really what it is for me, it's about sustaining my own mental health um, and sustaining me really you know, and I think Generally, I would always steer someone to doing their own thing. I think it's that's the biggest change that's been in the last sort of 10 or 20 years, is people used to really want to do these things themselves. To um, In modern times, people really just want to pay somebody else. It's like, to like McDonald's. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which you've kind of, yeah, but just like McDonald's, you're not really getting... The wholesome goodness out of it. You've got to do it yourself. <laughs>
0: Tastes real good. Yeah, though. <laughs> yeah and it, it's not going
1: to do it though. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So I'd encourage anyone to just grow plants, and, and we've really there's been some people in the scene that have really struggled hard to make sure that these things are still legal for us to grow. Take advantage of it. Get as many cactuses as you can in the ground, because they're really one thing that you that you can't do without. Grow yourself a vine, um, grow some acacias, and that's all you really need. Yeah, nice,
0: nice. I agree that at least at least where 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 we're living, uh, in in the you know outer Sydney area, that's fantastic. And yeah. in a lot a lot of Australia, I think that yeah. that will do pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in the CBD, I've got plenty of friends that grow cactus in pots, that grow grow their own sustainable doses for their own mental health. It's totally possible. It's totally possible with just three or four pot plants. That's all you really need.
0: Um, speaking of friends, and obviously no need to name names or anything like that, but I'm, wonder, I'm sure you do have some, and I'm hoping that you have some that you can share. Stories, classic, SAB, EGA, plant crew, stories, shenanigans. I'm sure there's something that comes to mind. Maybe there's one that you're allowed to mention. Um.
1: Not really anything stand out crazy oh, to be okay, honest. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I mean, we've had plenty of fun. We've had plenty of parties and camps and stuff like that. Um, we used to. So again, back in the old days. Um, again, we've always sort of angled at harm reduction, so we realised that people were out that cook, um, picking mushrooms, and it's so easy in Sydney to pick gallerinas or, you know, something that will literally kill you. Mm. And looking on the internet for pictures of things, they look identical, really. It's not until you can actually get the feel of them and somebody actually picks two up and shows you them, that that I think you can't really get it off the internet. You can't get it from pictures. It's it's something you've got to get in real life. So we started out um, a mushroom camp. So the mushroom camps went in, um, it, we went in the forests, and they started out as just a few guys learning to identify some different mushrooms, and they ended up as pretty much three and four day long parties with sound systems, and yeah, so that was that, that was pretty good in them days. Yeah, awesome. I think if we still ran those, uh, we'd end up with hundreds of people, <laughs> and literally we just couldn't, it wouldn't be sustainable for that little patch of forest where, wherever and, it was.
0: And what's the menu look at an event like that? Everyone just brings their own plant contribution, I imagine?
1: Yeah. Yes. Like, it, it really is a beautiful thing. Them things develop on their own, and people just bring whatever they can, and it just works every time. So literally, um, I suppose it's how tribal things have always worked. You know, some people have more resources than others, and they'll bring more and share, and it's still it just works out at the end. It's brilliant, really. So, yeah, we've had like massive big fires and um, feasts for you know thirty, forty people, and go for two or three days, and like not wanted for anything. Communal areas, lounges, and you know everyone just brings what they can, and it works perfect i've heard of some wild um cactus sprues at
0: some of these like just crazy plants in there you know all sorts of weird
1: loft and strange cultivars and all that
0: yeah awesome
1: there was um there's probably one that i can that i can share um we so we we wanted to experiment with some amanitas so because it's something that no one's ever really dialed in very much Mm. and i'd done them previously in england and pretty much went through 30 hours of hell oh really <laughs> yeah so i it, i was only young and didn't really any know any different and bought some dried laminators from a head shop and there was no dosage no nothing so i just ate the whole bag and Woof. yeah hello yeah it wasn't good <laughs> it wasn't fun at all. so are you telling me about a good story well yeah it's <laughs> a strange story so this just an example of how strange that they can be yeah so um all these things are theoretical all right so let's just say that maybe some things are not legal and they just happen theoretically not not in natural life right? got you, got you. but anyway so what we did was um theoretically we picked um so the theory was that the red part was what contained the most of the uh, muscumol, I think. They yep, that's it. it or ibuprofenic oh, acid, acid, yeah. Yeah. So we, we picked about 12 teenage sort of age caps that were nice bright red and um, cooked them up and made tomato soup with them because it kind of went with the... Food. Yeah, it better looked good. Yeah. And they split that between four of us. So of the four of us, one of us just went to sleep and that was it like really did nothing it was just like a little bit of sedation and that was it Um, again this is after two or three days of camping so it's probably not a very scientific method (laughs) yeah um, two of us um, got a little bit sleepy and then had really nice dreamy kind of sleep with you know nice dreams and stuff like that and then one of us got sucked into a wormhole where he actually full disassociated and we had to actually get hold of him and and help him through it yeah right which is crazy when we all had the same amount out of the same pot from and all been eating the same things for the last three days Very and it was such a crazy different sort of reaction to it yeah wow. so I, I'm kind of guessing that's probably why no one's ever really dialed me because we're a little bit um, unpredictable with metabolisms themselves
0: yeah in in my understanding, it works on both the gaba and the five h t two a yeah um uh in my for some reason i don't know where I'm pulling this from I thought it was more gaba than anything yeah. and in my very small amount of playing around with it, that was the effect I felt although I was surprised for how short lived I felt it was kind of like I'd have had a benzo for maybe two hours a low benzo dose, and that that was all that I noticed yeah yeah
1: yeah, well, careful, there might be a wormhole there.
0: Yeah, well, I'd certainly like for someone to figure it out more, because I'm curious, but, uh, yeah,
1: I have no yeah. desire for a surprise wormhole. And again, the, the whole prohibition have meant that, literally, I wouldn't have talked to you like this ten years ago. I would have been too worried about exposing myself. And I think... That's changed the heap as well. So
0: at least for personal for personal consumption, it's like you know, it's still inc- it's kind of risky, but not on the same kind of yeah. scale as other other things. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I, I think the more these things are talked about, the more that will actually learn new things and, and dialing things that's maybe been old fashioned and never really been transferred to modern days, like amanitas. I mean, traditionally mm. they've been used for a long time. I'm sure they've dialed them in somewhere, but we just haven't got it right yet, that's all. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, true that, true that. Complete sidestep. Uh, I have written down two uh, random topics. Yeah. One is goats and the other is Bigfoot. <laughs> I associate both of these things with you. Please tell me why and explain more.
1: Ah, oh, well, I used to farm, well, as you can see, we've got no goats left these days. Uh, but yeah, we used to farm Nubian goats out they there. They eat cactus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like literally the big so you see that big spiny one there. Yeah. It literally a goat in that you will you would not believe how fast it will just chomp it as though it's an apple.
0: And does it look like I guess goats don't experience uh, psychedelic effects?
1: I think that's probably there's probably a PhD in that for someone, I think. <laughs>
0: not that you notice.
1: yeah they definitely do
0: oh right okay cool tell me more about that
1: so uh, the goats they actually land it so they would actually run past the veggie patch to get to the cactus they liked it yeah Mm. and yeah they'd chew a cactus and then just stand there a little bit dazed for a while and most definitely and there's been other magical plants that they've eaten that's they've definitely got
0: anything that what do they like the most
1: what do they find back in the days when it was legal salvia (laughs) <laughs> yeah, classic. Classic. A so goat will eat a whole pile of salvia it's, in it's seconds.
0: Such an interesting plant. It hits such a huge variety of receptors, mm. and when we did that combinations chart, despite it hitting all these receptors, it the combinations had the involving salvia seemed to have fewer risks than any other psychoactive plant combination. It's a
1: strange thing. It really is
0: yeah i have, i haven't I haven't experimented
1: much uh, that, that I can really report effects on at all back in the days when it was legal and they <laughs> used to have the the extracts um it it was insane it really was so there was a guy I used to know that um always had uh, fifty times extract in his pocket and always always yeah and he used to sell you weed. Never know. he used to sell weed, so pretty much anyone that came over no one really knew what it was in them days and he's like oh Jeez. do you want a cone corner this um, one condition I've got to film you <laughs> this is uh, terrible yeah it was terrible yeah so there was there was a lot of crazy crazy things happened with that kind of thing yeah and what about um what about Bigfoot what about Bigfoot well, so you want to hear my encounter story? Is Definitely, I is? do. Well, oh, right.
0: I mean, I didn't know what was coming, but yes, yeah. I do want to hear that. Well,
1: I mean, everyone's heard it and everyone thinks I'm crazy, so I might as well tell it again, hadn't I? So. <laughs> you tell me. Um, this was quite a few years ago now. Uh, we were going out to um, a friend's birthday party. So, again, we're all duffers and ravers and stuff. So, it was basically a community together for a massive doff in the, in the forest. There wasn't that many of us but it was full lasers, you know, the whole thing. So I was taking the generator out um, after work and in those days you'd, you'd write down directions to a party and that was kind of half of the fun was yeah, following the directions.
0: The you sound like you have a better attitude than me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well maybe. <laughs> I need
0: you. I need you people like you're around.
1: <laughs> well... Yeah. So the directions were wrong. There was rights instead of lefts and I got lost in the Wadigans and I was literally driving around at midnight for like two hours in the wrong direction and um, I had the generator for the party so it couldn't kind of start without me and um, so I was driving down this goat track. Um, It was literally that tight that it was trees touching both sides of the I had a Land Cruiser in them days, so I had a Land Cruiser with a bed in the back and all that. And um, the dog was laid in it laid in the bed. And um, as I sort of get to the bottom of this, which I'm going really slow, so so I don't bounce around and smash the generator. I'm just literally first gear crawling down this thing, yep. low range. All the lights are on because it's midnight and there's not even any moon or anything like that. And so I get to this intersection and the dog started barking and I thought, well, um, she probably needed to pee because we've been driving around the forest. So I let her out and she's going berserk, literally just looking in the bush in front of us, not worried about peeing at all, just as though she was trying to catch something. And then, um, so I didn't even really worry about it. She was only young. I'm having to pee as she's running around like a lunatic. And then I had a big tree branch crack and uh, it was big you know kind of you can tell whether it's a little stick or a big stick and i thought it might be a feral bull because there's a lot of you okay. know feral cows and stuff out there so i just stood still and i was watching where where the crack came from and um, just to see whether it was a bull that was just going to come out and do something crazy or something like that and um, then the next thing there was a big percussion sound like a like a rock being picked up and like you know you know a a rock you know 30 40 kilo rock being dropped on the ground so i stopped peeing then and i thought whatever this is it's pretty big so by right now the dog was terrified so she was yelping and ran around behind me and i thought you just started a fight for me that you know i've got to finish (laughs) (laughs) you know good on you and then, anyway, there was, so there was another two percussions, exactly the same, straight two, one after another, after that, so I zipped up and I I stood deadly still, still thinking it was a bull, and um, it stepped out from the bush, and it just literally stepped diagonally, just one step towards me. It was It was in the dark, just near the, Look, I'm getting goosebumps I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> so it was in the dark, just next to the headlight beam, and it was it stayed in the dark, and it was, it was fucking huge. It was literally, you know, three four foot across its shoulders, and its shoulders were two foot taller than me, and um, it didn't do anything. It just just stepped outside. So I knew it was there, and. I didn't even really sort of think about what it was at the t- at the time. I just realized how big it was, and that it wasn't scared of or running with the full lights on or anything. The dog was terrified, which she's a Great Dane cross Mastiff hunting dog as well. So I just grabbed the dog, threw her in the car, jumped in the car, and and got out of there. But as I was driving away, I was think I was thinking, what the, f- you know, what was that? It wasn't. Wasn't a kangaroo. It wasn't a person, unless it was a giant person. It wasn't anything really that was scared by a Land Cruiser driving down that track for 20 minutes, kind of pointing its lights near it, and yeah. So that's what I think it was. No mushrooms that day. No trypomans. No, nothing, <laughs> nothing after, <laughs> but not before.
0: Awesome, awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well I think that's uh pretty much covers everything that I had on my list that I, I wanted to chat about. Is there anything that you kinda wanna part ways with or you know, people that are cactus inclined or magic plan inclined that are that are listening? What do you what do you reckon that they should they should be thinking about
1: now that they've been listening to you? I would suggest the all people that have been doing this forever I already know. So it's more aimed at the new people that are probably starting to, to think this this could help them in their life. I would say do it yourself. Yeah, cool. don't don't be fooled into the whole idea that you can't do this kind of thing yourself. It's that it's not safe or however they're going to angle these things. Um, we all figure out out for ourselves, and it's that's a knowledge that's going to start being pushed commercially yeah try and do it yourself
0: yeah sweet sweet thank you very much no worries just after we stopped recording tony added a nice little detail to that story he told me that during his bigfoot encounter he noticed a strong smell of dmt Maybe Bigfoot had just put down a pipe and Tony got a contact high. We talked a bit about deadly gallerinas, and it is Psyllocybe's Ciberaginosa season in much of Australia, so I've added EGA's Ciberaginosa reference guide in the notes. Authored by Kane Barlow and edited by myself, I think this is the best resource available for people looking to identify subs, which genetic analyses have recently shown are the great grandparents of wood-loving magic mushrooms around the world. The image for this episode is a photograph of the tips of four seed grown mother plant cuttings from Tony's garden. Starting in the top left corner of the image, moving clockwise, these plants are a Lurin Valley Peruvianus, an open pollinated Bridgesii Bruce, a J3 cross J2, and a forgotten TPM cross. The Lurin Valley plant was grown from wild collected seed, the same batch of seed that Tony grew that tough but heavily variegated plant, Sunshine, from. Tony doesn't have an album in my catalogue yet, despite my pestering, and I hope we can properly photograph and label his garden eventually. There are just so many interesting plants there. Unfortunately, when we recorded this episode, it got dark quickly, and I didn't take any photos or video. The beauty of the podcast format is it's a lot less time-consuming to produce, but of course, cacti don't make the best podcast interviewees. However, There is some footage of Tony's garden in my mescaline cacti videos for EGA's Garden State's 2022 conference livestream. I'll try to get a public link and leave it in the episode notes, otherwise it might be only conference attendees that can access that one. Garden 2 videos are something I'm hoping to work on more in the future. This is the fastest time ever between podcasts for me, which means I don't have much new content to share but I've just set up a Patreon, which gives access to some of the back end of my work. You can see stuff that hasn't been published yet, like my article on the use of Australian acacias in ayahuasca. If you'd like a copy of the San Pedro Appreciation Guide, or a cut of cactus from my garden, you can get these by joining my Patreon. It's cheaper than the Mescalon Garden shop, and you get access to my bonus content. Thanks again for listening.